Well, good evening. Welcome to Calvary Church. Merry Christmas to all of you and to all of you joining us at Quakertown. It's good to have you with us this evening. There are a lot of words that are associated with Christmas. Words that we kind of take out this time of year and dust off. But after we've used them at Christmas time, we put them away again and don't use them again until next Christmas time. We're going to explore a few Christmas vocabulary words, and we're going to try to figure out what Christmas is all about and how we can experience it by exploring a few Christmas vocabulary words. Now, the first two words you've already been exposed to, and they are music and singing. Our service has been filled with music and singing thus far, and music and singing has been not only part of our service, it's part of what we do as a church. If you were to show up on a typical Sunday, you'd discover that we sing a lot. That's not because all of us are good singers. We do have a few great singers here. Uh, I'm not in that group. I'm in a group that people kind of look at me and say, whoa. But human beings sing. In fact, I'd be willing to bet that you did some singing this past week. People sing in the car when nobody's with them. They sing in the shower. And I also noticed that they sing on the treadmill when they're wearing earbuds and they think that nobody else can hear them. Do you notice that? Human beings are singing people, right? Singing creatures. We sometimes sing together. For example, how many of you have ever sung in a group, happy birthday? Raise your hand. Oh yeah, all of you, right? Happy birthday. We're not going to sing it now. But we sing happy birthday to celebrate that someone made it through another year. And then there's another song that I know you're all familiar with, and you've sung in a group, and that's Take Me Out to the Ballgame. Do you know that song? That's one of the weirdest songs I've ever come across. Here's the question. Where are people when they sing that song? They're at the ballgame, and they're singing Take Me Out to the Ballgame. Oh, they sing it in the seventh inning after they've been drinking beer for six innings. Maybe that's why they sing it. Crazy songs. Human beings are singing creatures. As long as mothers have babies, there'll be lullabies. And as long as people fall in love, there'll be love songs with idiotic lyrics. And as long as human beings are awed by the grace and love of God, there'll be hymns and choruses of praise. And as long as people reflect on the pains of life, there'll be country music. But, you know, there's a lot of music associated with Christmas. Do you know that? In fact, if you were to start reading Luke's gospel, and you could do that the next couple of days, when you start reading it, you will quickly come across four Christmas songs in the beginning of the gospel. There's the song that Zechariah sings. There's a song that Mary sings. Then there's a song the angels sing. And then there's a song that Simeon sings. And they're all related to Jesus' birth. The song the angels sing is probably the most famous. Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now here's something you may not know. Back in Jesus' day, births were very dangerous. In fact, not all babies made it. Not all moms made it. But when a healthy baby was delivered musicians and family members would sing to celebrate the happy, joyous, healthy birth. But Mary and Joseph weren't in their hometown, so no family members around. Bethlehem was crowded with people, so there were no musicians to go hire. 
But when Jesus was born, God supplied the music. God supplied the singing. And he sent angels to sing glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now, when we look at the words, I'm going to give you an assignment for each word we look at. So here's your assignment when it comes to singing and music. Here's what you need to do. Over these next few days, you're going to hear a lot of Christmas music. Some of it may be religious. Some of it may be biblical. Other songs are just crazy songs of our culture, right? But here's your assignment. Whenever you hear a Christmas song, I want you to remember the song that the angels sang. And I want you to think about that birth of Jesus when the angels are proclaiming glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And notice that peace is not the peace of God on the inside. That's the peace with God on the outside. Jesus came to reconcile us with God. That's why the angels were singing. That's why we need to sing and celebrate at Christmas. Well, that's our first pair of words. What do you think of when I say magi or wise men? What do you got? Well, some of you probably think about we three kings, right? Because you're, you're in the music. Uh, you realize there weren't three. We don't know how many there were, probably not three. And they weren't um, kings either. Maybe you think of uh, little figurines that get put around, you know, in the nativity scene. Little fat guys get put around in nativity, which it didn't happen that way either. Maybe you think about gifts because they're famous for bringing their gifts. But did you know, long before they give their gifts, they come to do something else? Did you know that? Gifts are a secondary thought. Gifts are not the, mission, the main mission. Gifts come along after the fact. Let me show you what I mean. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. I know that's kind of a religious word, right? But we're in church, we're allowed to say it. They come to worship, that's the mission. They happen to give gifts as part of that, but they come to worship. So what do you think of when I say worship? Maybe you think of singing. You do realize that singing and worship are not synonymous. You can worship when you sing, but you can sing without worshiping too. Here's how we define worship here. We say worship is seeing God accurately and then responding appropriately. Our worship is not the initiative act, it's the response act. We realize what God's done, we realize who he is, and we respond to that. So when we catch a glimpse of who God is, our response is worship. And that's what the wise men do. Okay, I want you to take a posture audit. You got it? Don't move, sit there like that, sit the way you are. Do a posture audit. How many of you have both armrests that you've claimed as your own? All right. Some of you, some of you make yourselves big, right? Others of you are kind of making yourselves small. You realize that those are the two primary postures. People make themselves big, and we call those people alpha people, alpha leaders, alpha, right? They are big. They make themselves, when somebody scores a touchdown, do they do this? No, they do this, right? They stand, they pound their chest where they strike the Wonder Woman pose. You make yourself big. And some of you are making yourselves big. You're sitting up straight, next high. That's what alpha leaders do. 
Now, here's what you need to know. The wise men, the magi, they were all alphas. They weren't kings the way the song, sa- the way the song says. Kings went to them for advice. They were super wealthy, and the most connected and wealthy went to them to find out what they should do. Everybody who was somebody would go to the Magi and ask, what should I do? How should I spend my time? Where should I invest my money? They were the alphas of their day. Interestingly, when they show up and see Jesus, they don't do the touchdown sign. They don't pound their, they don't pose like Wonder Woman. You know what they do? I'll show you. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary. They bowed down and worshiped him. Here are the three, four, five, we don't know, alpha guys, big men who live their lives feeling big and making themselves big. But when they're in in the presence of the Alpha and Omega, they bow before him and make themselves small. That's the other posture. The posture of smallness with crossed arms, hunched shoulders, making yourself small because you almost want to disappear when you're in the presence of greatness. You know, you make yourself small. Here, the Alpha guys take the posture of humility before the Alpha and the Omega. That's pretty cool, right? But the wise men are not only only known for worship, they are known for their gifts, right? And they come and the Bible tells us that they bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And here's my guess. None of you are giving or receiving gold, frankincense, and myrrh tomorrow. If you're getting gold, good for you. Um, we don't now gold is still purchased and used in our day in fact if you watch tv william devane will be on tv and he'll be trying to sell you gold all the time um i don't know too much about him selling gold i do remember him from payback that mel gibson movie really good you can watch that movie on christmas by the way um frankincense and myrrh like what is up with that okay frankincense was um kind of like a resin used it for incense Oh, yeah, and you could also eat it. And it was like first century Tums. It cured indigestion. And so they come and they give Jesus a frankincense, incense that smells really good along with the gold. And just in case, you know, the milk didn't settle, Jesus could have a Tums. And then they give him myrrh. The heck is myrrh? Kind of like essential oils of the first century. Any of you essential oil folks? Um, myrrh was an oil that had healing properties, people said but it had a dual purpose. If it didn't heal you, they embalmed you with it. So it kind of went both ways. So the wise men come and they give their gifts. And my guess is Mary and Joseph scratching their heads like, yeah, we can sure use the gold, but like frankens, what are we gonna do with that? Myrrh? You ever receive a gift you really didn't want? Um, You ever get a, a, a gym membership as a gift? Wrinkle cream? How about a nose hair trimmer? Do you ever want a nose for Christmas? Santa, please bring me a nose hair trimmer. That's what. Now, you may be sitting next to someone that really needs that, by the way, but don't give it to them because that's kind of insulting. The wise men come and they give gifts and they're not thinking about the sacrifice it took for them to pay for the gifts and they're not thinking about the treacherous journey that they went on. They are in worship posture in response, giving to God who gave them 
this amazing, awesome, indescribable gift by sending the Alpha and the Omega. So here's what I want you to do. Over the next few days, my guest is most or all of you. will give a few gifts and you'll get a few gifts. And at least once, when you're giving a gift or getting a gift, I want you to think about the ultimate gift. And I want you to think about not just the wise men giving their gifts, because that's a response to God giving his gift. So when you give and you receive a gift, you thank God for giving you the gift you really need, a savior, a rescuer. That's kind of insult. That's worse than a nose hair trimmer, right? You need somebody to rescue you. That's how sick you are. The gift you really needed is the gift that God provided in sending Jesus for you. You think about that. Well, we have another uh, word kind of at the end, and you already know this one, and that's shepherds, shepherds. Whenever the Christmas story is told, shepherds will be part of the story. How many of you ever played a shepherd in a Christmas pageant? Any of you? Yeah, some of you. Yeah. Shepherds were always the cool guys in the pageant, right? Because they got to carry big sticks. And nobody else got a cool stick. Shepherds got the big sticks. And they'd gather around. Well, the Bible tells us that the shepherds were the first to receive the birth announcement. Here's what the Bible says. And there were shepherds living out in the, in nearby in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Shepherds, the first to receive the announcement. But maybe that's appropriate, because the one whose birth was announced to shepherds was born a shepherd. You may have missed that reference back in Matthew's gospel, but here's what Matthew writes. Jesus is born and he will shepherd my people. That's kind of interesting. Do you realize that shepherd was one of the most common metaphors used for a king? And do you know why? Because kings found it pretty easy to be pompous and full of themselves. But the image of shepherd continually reminded them, well, wait a minute, you're not in this for your own benefit. You've got some people you need to care for. And just like a shepherd protects and a shepherd provides and a shepherd leads and a shepherd takes care of and heals, that's what kings need, that's what leaders need to do. Jesus is born the ultimate, perfect, good shepherd. Well, that means then that his people must be sheep. You know, the Bible has a lot of references to animals. Okay, so I researched this. Hey, this is true. You can check this out if you don't believe me. Cattle are mentioned in the Bible 131 times. That's a lot of steak. Dogs are mentioned 41 times. Eagles, 26 times. Go birds. You don't see any patriots mentioned in the Bible. You see eagles mentioned in the Bible. Cats mentioned zero times. They were a mistake. <laughs> God still regrets making them. How many times do you think sheep and shepherds are mentioned? Over 500 times. Sheep aren't real bright. In fact, sheep are like one of the few animals that has to live with someone caring. Sheep have to have somebody care. They need a shepherd. In fact, there was a, an incident a few years ago. It happened in Turkey, believe it or not. 
1,500 sheep were being watched by a number of shepherds. True story. You can, you can Google this, go on Wikipedia and find it. 1,500 sheep, why? But the shepherds decided that, oh, the sheep look pretty safe. They look pretty much at peace. So the shepherds go over, and they're having breakfast together, kind of chilling out, talking to each other. Meanwhile, one of the sheep wandered a little close to the edge and took a swan dive off the cliff. Do you want to know what happened? 1,499 sheep followed that first sheep off the cliff. Like none of them stood and said, hmm, Bobby never came back. Like, this is like a bad idea. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they didn't do that. They, well, 1,500 sheep went over the cliff because one stupid sheep went over the cliff. Oh, yeah, only 450 died. Because a 1,000 of them landed on the little fluffy pillows underneath them, and they were all safe because all the dead sheep underneath them kind of broke their fall. It's kind of insulting when God calls us sheep. Jesus is a shepherd. That means we're sheep. Boy, how accurate is that picture, right? Can't make it on our own. Without a shepherd, we're lost and headed to destruction. Merry Christmas. God sent a shepherd. What do shepherds do? Good shepherds, great shepherds are with and for their sheep. We've been singing a lot tonight, and you've heard references to Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. That's the shepherd picture. A good shepherd is with the sheep, and a good shepherd is for the sheep. And when you come to Jesus, the good shepherd, he is with the sheep, and he's for the sheep. And we're the sheep. So here's your homework. Over the next couple of days, probably on your way home, if you pass a lawn with lots of brightly lit trinkets on it, then I always wonder where they store all that stuff. You're going to see a nativity scene, and you're going to see shepherd. But rather than just look at it and ask, where do they store all that stuff? I want you to look at the shepherd and say, I need a shepherd. And the message of Christmas is, God sent you one. He's with you and for you. Admit you need to be rescued and let the shepherd rescue you. God sent us the gift that we actually needed but would never have asked for. He promises to be with us and to be our shepherd. I don't know what you're looking to to shepherd your life these days, but I do know this. If you turn from whatever you're being shepherded by and looking to as a shepherd and you turn to Jesus, he'll gladly be your shepherd. Maybe for the first time or maybe for the thousandth time, Christmas 2018, you need to sing and worship and have music in your heart and in the world. Recognize gifts and claim again, Jesus is your shepherd. Father, we give you thanks that at Christmas we celebrate you giving us the gift that we could never earn, could never deserve, but you've given us Jesus, our good shepherd. Father, we confess that we often run after other things, and we look to other things to help us make decisions, and we follow other things, but Lord, it only makes sense to follow Jesus, the good shepherd. So Lord, on this night and during this season, when we think about music and singing, Worship and gifts help all of those things to bring us to Jesus, the good gift you gave that leads us to life 
forever and ever. We pray in his name. Amen. 